Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'd like to welcome everybody here to the First Baptist Church in Coleraine, Massachusetts. We appreciate those that are tuning in, those that are listening, wherever you are. Shortly, I'm going to be reading Hebrews chapter 10, first 25 verses, and Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, we'll finish the rest of this chapter. The book of Hebrews teaches about the supremacy of Jesus Christ over the old covenant law and Jesus being the only way to God. We've been learning that under the old covenant system, only the high priests could enter the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle just once a year, and later on in the temple just once a year, and only then by making a blood sacrifice for his own sins before he could offer sacrifices for the sins of other people. But Jesus Christ, being the great high priest, has entered into the heavenly holy of holies with his own sinless blood, so that now we have access into the very presence of God himself. So let's read 25 verses of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Christ sacrificed once for all. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me, with burnt offerings and sin offerings. You were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through 
the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord, that I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Pray that the Lord will give us understanding of his word this morning. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful to be able to be here to study your word. We thank you and know that it is true because it's spiritually discerned. Give us understanding of it, these 25 verses that we'll be looking into today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got the uh, handout, those of you that are, that are here. You can go along. All the answers are in the message. Today's message, the title of today's message is called An Enduring Faith. 
and enduring faith. In verse 19, uh, the writer of the Hebrews, he quotes and refers to the curtain, otherwise known as the veil, the veil. We learned in a previous message that the veil, the curtain, four inches thick at least, hung separating the most holy place in the tabernacle and the temple later on, separating the holy place from the holy of holies, the inner sanctuary that only the high priest could enter once a year. But because of Jesus' supreme sacrifice, by dying on a cross on earth, we can now have free access to God's presence in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Heaven's door is always open now for us to draw near to God in prayer. There's your answer to number two. We have been forgiven, having received Jesus as our Savior, and our guilty consciences cleansed, cleansed. Oftentimes, we have a guilty conscience because we've done something or said something or thought something that we know is wrong. God has put con a conscience in the minds of human beings. I heard someone who had a guilty conscience. He borrowed money from somebody and they never paid it back. And he used to lose a lot of sleep. He couldn't sleep because he hadn't paid his debt to this fellow that he borrowed money from. So what he did, he put uh, 10 $500 bills in an envelope with a note and he sent it to the fellow that he owed the money to. He said, I'm sending you this money because I can't sleep at night. And when I start to sleep at night, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> right. Anyway, that was kind of a joke, but not very funny. He said, when I continue to lose sleep, I'll send you the rest. Our sins are washed away. And now being justified by faith, just as if we had never sinned. That's the way God sees us. We may not see ourselves that way, but that's the way God sees us. What does it say there? It says, um, our sins are forgiven completely washed away and uh, we don't have to go fishing for those sins even though they're in the deepest ocean we don't need to go fishing for them god has placed a sign no fishing allowed all right don't go over sins that you've already confessed and uh, confession is good for the soul and it it can cleanse our uh, guilty consciences if we confess we don't have to carry that burden and that guilt around with us anymore. The writer, whoever he was, he gives uh, quite a number of warnings in this letter, very long letter to the Christian Hebrews. And he's, why is he warning them? He's warning them about the danger of falling away, of drifting from the Christian faith. Now, these warnings are not 
meant to necessarily rebuke them. It's designed to help them to keep their eyes on Jesus, not on their circumstances. And their circumstances were very difficult, extremely difficult, something that we can't even relate to in the West, in America. After believing in Jesus, these were all Jews, by the way, you already know that, the early church became the targets of tremendous persecution. These Jews, some of their family members, disowned them, disinherited them. Some of their friends forsook them. Their enemies harassed them. And society, the Jewish society, which they were part of before becoming Christians, shunned them, completely shunned them. Now, ask some of those believers, they were tempted to turn away from the truth. Some of them did. To revert back to the old system, the old covenant law. While others continued to maintain their commitment to Jesus in spite of their many problems, and they had many. You know, our own uh, circumstances, our own experiences of God's faithfulness and protection should encourage us to maintain our confidence in him, despite any opposition that we may face. We live in a world that is getting increasingly anti-Christian. But when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. So don't be like those that lose faith, that turn back and give up hope. A lot of them did. Even today, many do that. They lose their faith, they turn back, and they lose their hope. What does the word hope mean? Having a favorable and confident expectation for the future. Do you have hope today? Do you have a favorable and confident expectation for your future? Hope, an anticipation of a good outcome. Are you optimistic? Do you see the glass half full or half empty? You, maybe we're forgetting what the Bible says. Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's remember that verse when we feel discouraged, when we begin to lose hope. In verse 24 there, it says, let us consider how we may Spur, this version says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We should spur each other on. We're not talking about the cowboys, you know, that wear those spurs over their chaps to dig into the side of those poor horses. What does spur mean? To encourage one another, to stir one another up in a positive way. 
to stir one another up in a positive way, not to discourage one another. And unfortunately, many people give up going to church because they feel discouraged, or they have been discouraged through one reason or another. We are to spur one another up toward love, it says. We need to remember that the devil is our enemy, not other Christians. Right? Remember the devil is our enemy. Our, our battle is with the devil, not other believers. Amen? You know, we, we fight and we squabble and disagree over stupid things, small little things. And the Bible says it, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's not the big things. It's the little things that get blown out of all proportion. Little, little molehills become mountains. The devil is our enemy, not other believers. But we don't live in a perfect world. If you want to join the perfect church, you'll ruin it by going into that church. Because there's no such thing as a perfect church. In heaven there is, because then we'll be perfect. But in the meantime, we need to spur one another, we need to stir one another towards love. An unconditional love must abound in the church. An unconditional love. That's easier said than done. That's very easy to say. It's another thing to put into practice, isn't it? Not, not I'll love you as long as you love me. Or I'll love you as long as you agree with me. Or I'll love you as long as you don't say anything I don't like. It's not meant to be that way. It has to be unconditional love, it says. Stir one another up towards love. And also, good deeds, good works. We're commanded to stir one another up to do good deeds. You know, hopeless people don't do many good deeds because they're focused upon themselves. <laughs> they don't want to be helped, you know, but they don't need to help others. They don't want to be helped and they don't want to help others. Yet helping others in Jesus' name is a blessing. It's an encouragement to those who are being helped and the ones that are doing the helping. You ever got a blessing out of helping somebody as well as being helped by somebody that needs it? It encourages us. Now, one of the ways we can encourage one another, and it says this in the final verse, is going to church. This building, it's like a shed for the sheep. We can encourage one another by going to church. It says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And that's a bad habit. But encouraging one another. So you can't encourage other people if you don't go to church, if you don't meet together. Our attendance at church, 
not only encourages us, it also encourages other people that attend as well. Don't you think? Now, some of those Hebrew Christians, they became negligent of worshipping together. And the same is true today. Because people don't change. They're no different. You know, many people don't see the importance of worshipping together. But God sees the importance of worshipping together. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in the Bible. It's important. Some just drop out, like those Hebrew Christians just dropped out and, and gave up going to church and meeting together. This is why the right act to encourage them. Don't do that. You need to meet together. Don't, don't be in the habit of not coming to church like the majority of people are in the habit of not coming to church. They just dropped out, giving up going to church. They turned their backs on Jesus and they neglected their relationship with other believers. They didn't want to associate with them. What does that tell you? They don't care about other people. You know, it's popular to confess faith in Jesus without having a relationship with the church. You can't do both. You can't be in fellowship with God and not go to church, and attend church and be with other believers. Jesus died for the church. And Christians are commanded right here in this verse to meet together. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's a commandment. It's not optional. You know, people in the third world, when they never hear, there's a preacher come in and they, they line up for block after block after block and the place is chock-a-block full of people because they're desperate to hear the word of God. That's not the case in our over-church society today. Church is not an option, but for a lot of people it is. Oh, I just don't feel like going to church today. You know. It's not how you feel. It's what the word of God commands. You do it. Because God says do it. Amen? Oh, do, I, do I need to tell that joke again? Where the wife says, come on, get out of bed. You've got to go to church. He says, give me one reason why I should go. He said, well, you're the pastor. <laughs> You've heard it before, but there's some people maybe listening that have never heard it. It's a command. It's not, it's not an option. And why wouldn't you want to come to church if you're a Christian? If you don't want to come to church if you're a Christian, there's got to be a problem. Maybe you're not even saved. Have you thought about that? 
I don't want to associate with those people. Well, why wouldn't you? There's got to be a problem there, isn't there? And the problem's not with God, it's with you. Those who profess Jesus as their saviour live in isolation, that don't want to meet together with other believers, that they're useless to the church. And they're in sin. Why? I didn't say that. The Bible did. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. Why are people in sin that don't go to church? Because they're breaking God's commandments to meet together. That's what it says. And if you break God's commandments, what is that? It's rebellion. It's sin. Hey, that's what the word says. We're commanded to go, but then they don't go, so they're in sin. They're breaking God's commandment. Commandments not just in the Old Testament, they're also in the New. Refusing to meet together until Jesus returns. He says, all the more you should meet together. All the more as you see the day approaching what's he talking about christmas is is referring to when jesus comes back and he will because he said he will amen jesus is coming back and we've got to be ready and we've got to be faithful and we've got to be committed and we've got to keep his commandments. Some people, and I'm not their judge, if I was, well, no. Some people have become so impatient waiting for Jesus to return, they just give up. They give up hope of ever it happening. Don't give it a thought. Well, We've been waiting 2,000 years and he's still not come back. Well, the Bible says a thousand years is like a day with the Lord. In the light of eternity, a thousand years, 2,000 years is nothing. Jesus never broke a promise yet. We need to be faithful. We need to rejoice in the fact that his return is closer now than it was when we first believed. We ought to be excited about coming to church. Oh, really? Sunday again, I have to go to church. Really? You should look forward to it. Knowing our sins have been forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to worship the Lord together, to serve the Lord together and witness our faith for the Lord with every opportunity we can until he returns to reward us for being faithful. God is no man's debtor.
He's keeping stock. He's keeping the books, or somebody is, up there. Everything that we've ever done, everything we ever will do, the books are being kept of the good deeds that we do. And we shall receive a reward on that day that he returns. How, why, how, can, we keep, how can we be rewarded? By keeping God's commandments. And one of them is to come to church, meet together. You may not get along with everybody. You can't please everybody all the time. You never will. We all want to be popular. I mean, what is there not to love? Right? You can please some people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time, and some of them you'll never be able to please, no matter what you do, so why bother? Let's not like be those that lose hope, that give up and turn their backs on Christ and fellowship with the church. Let's not be like those. Let's remember what the word of God has to say now. Let me close, having said that, because I know the food is waiting. We don't want it to get cold. Not like people that leave the church. They get cold. <laughs> okay. First John 1. Verse 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him. Jesus. And declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he who is in the light we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There, that's the key verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is why we need to continue to obey God's commandment and meet together, not as the habit of some is. Amen? Amen. I hope that'll be an encouragement to you, especially those that are not meeting together, living in isolation and have cut themselves off from fellowship with other believers through one reason or another. We're all gonna get offended one, one way or another, we're all going to get offended, but that shouldn't prevent us from fellowshipping with believers, which we are commanded to do. And if you've got a problem with somebody, 
in the church, you need to go to that person and do what the Bible says, to put things right and not harbor grudges and resentment and just leave the church because you got offended. That's what so many people do. Okay? Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for reminding us how important it is to meet together, to fellowship together with the church, to be encouraged and spur one another on, to stir one another up to, toward love and to good deeds. And I pray anyone listening to this message if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I hope and pray that you will. You call upon his name. Simply believe that he died for you on that cross. He shed his sinless blood so you wouldn't have to be punished for your sins. And believe in your heart that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead and he is alive and you call upon his name to save you from your sins, to give you eternal life. Believe it and he will. And for those that may be listening that have uh, drifted and turned back from fellowshipping with uh, other believers, I hope and pray that you'll be restored back into fellowship. Ask God to forgive you, to uh, repent of that sin and uh, return and go to a church where they teach and preach the gospel and believe the Bible, being the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., we are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.